Welcome everyone to the Wake Up Podcast. This is episode 26 and the last one of this segment of the Bitcoin Time series that I'll be doing. So this is the the sorry, not the first, the fifth discussion from the writers in that series. So if you haven't listened to the other ones yet, check them out. There's one with Jeff Booth, one with Eric Kasson, one or Kason, sorry, dude, I always mispronounce your name. One with Giacomo Zucco, which everyone loved. It's been one of the favorites. Uh, who else? Did, and, and one with Parker Lewis. Um, I obviously did a piece for the Bitcoin Times as well. Um, I don't know if I'm going to interview myself or if I should just jump on someone else's podcast and discuss it. But I will make up my mind about that later. On this episode, me and Jimmy discuss the moral case for Bitcoin, which is also the title of his article. And... I mean, me and Jimmy always have great conversations. You know, we dug into a bunch of things. We spoke about morality. We spoke about how, you know, the world's missing meaning and purpose today. Uh, we spoke about, you know, the, 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 the sad state of affairs with both, both how people and individuals who choose to think for themselves are today being framed as terrorists or extremists or naysayers or conspiracy theorists while people who are willing to, you know, just live a subsistence type of existence, you know, where safety comes first, you know, and, and their own selfish, uh, narcissistic form of safety comes first, um, you know, uh, are kind of positioned as good citizens and, you know, snitching on thy neighbor is a good thing. Um, and, and how that almost sadomasochistic existence has... Um, is the real pandemic in society today. We speak about, you know, asked some more difficult questions to Jimmy, like, you know, why do governments exist? You know, what's the difference between then and now? We spoke about natural law versus positivism, which is a really important topic for people to listen to. And we spoke about things like, you know, how Bitcoin delivers, or how Bitcoin through embodying morality via an anchor to reality allows for things like you know the 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 traditional values uh, or virtues to re-emerge again you know of prudence temperance justice and fortitude um, or courage being another name for fortitude so this is a really good podcast it's it's easy going um we went into some dark places as is kind of usual with me and I, you know, I think we both learned quite a bit. We also spoke about actually private property rights um, and how that, you know, is a keystone for uh, the existence of a not only a complex society but of cooperative existence amongst human beings. So, lots of stuff in here. Uh, it's a really good podcast. Listen to it, share it around. Jimmy's content is always brilliant. Um, follow him obviously on uh, Medium and Twitter. I think both of them are just at Jimmy Song. Subscribe to the podcast, uh, whether you're on YouTube or Anchor. If you've got some time, I would also really appreciate a rating. The more it's rated, obviously, the more people that see it, which if you think this information is important, that always helps. Um, And otherwise, I will see you guys on the next episode. And we are live with Jimmy Song for episode 26 of the Wake Up Podcast. And this is the fifth and final installment for um, the Bitcoin Time series. 
for at least for edition three before I go and interview everyone else from the last edition. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about the moral case for Bitcoin and we're probably going to be talking about all sorts of other things. So Jimmy, thanks again for joining me. We only spoke a couple months ago, so I appreciate you not palming me off after nagging your ass so many times, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I enjoy this show and I enjoy uh, talking to you. So it, it's it's no burden at all. Uh, I enjoyed Appreciate putting it. that into the Bitcoin Times. I thought it was uh, it, it was great how, how it was included and with such luminaries. So um, I feel privileged to have been a part of it. And um, yeah, glad to talk about the moral case for Bitcoin because that's coming. That's that's a big part of, uh, you know, how Bitcoin is thought of these days. Dude, it's 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 funny because I think when you wrote it uh, in in the introduction, you you sort of said it's not something that gets discussed a lot. But I think that sort of had its zeitgeist moment, particularly over the last year. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you agree with. Uh, I did a tweet, a couple. I think it was like a week ago. I, I can't. I'll tell you what is really crazy. Like that, we're only fifteen years. In, sorry, fifteen days into this year. Like it just feels. Uh -huh so much longer and uh, like the tweet that i wrote <laughs> last week and it honestly feels like i wrote this months ago was 2020 like f sorry i wrote five years ago it seemed like things were getting dumber by you know maybe the year like mm -hmm. in 2020 things were getting dumber by the month or by the week like uh -huh. this year feels like it's getting dumber by the hour like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm watching the world and i'm like are we in a show like <laughs> where's the where's the stop button <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, when are, when your money is hyperinflating, um, you know, may, maybe like things just get stupid much quicker. Um, I, like the the stupidity of everything else is also hyperinflating. I don't know. It, it really feels like, it almost feels like um, so much is happening. Like th there's got to be like, for me, I feel like there's got to be a crescendo at some point here. Um, yeah. And I don't know where that crescendo is, but it just it feels like so much is going on and like almost, I don't know if I would say time's compressing, but it's like mm -hmm. uh, events maybe are compressing, but time seems to like be elongating or, or something. It's just, just, it feels genuinely <laughs> distorted. Um, huh. and, yeah. And, yeah. And I, 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 I would say that's, uh, I don't know what, what's the saying in poker uh, it's hours of boredom and seconds of terror. Um, that that's kind mm -hmm. of the, we're, we're in the seconds of terror, right? Like, there are weeks when decades happen and decades when weeks happen, you know, like just this is, this is the week where decades happen, uh, that, that sort of thing. So yeah, it, it does feel like a lot more things are going down and, uh, and, you know, people are making plays, man. Uh, that that's, uh, definitely what it feels like. Um, yeah, I, to, to a degree, I, I would suspect that, uh, a lot of it is planned, uh, in advance and, you know, it's uh, people taking opportunities and we could talk about sort of the Nietzschean et ethic that sort of uh, leads people to do stuff like that. But that that's uh, definitely where we seem to be at the moment. Well, well let, let's dig into that point then. Let's, let's talk mm -hmm. about the, you know, the Nietzschean, I, I, I assume we're referring to the, like the idea of like the will to power, right? Yeah. Okay. Let, let's dig into that a little bit. Um, talk, talk me through how, What's happening now, and particularly what's happened last year, is sort of a manifestation of that. Yeah, I, I, I touched upon it a little bit in the article, but basically every government is getting to be uh, more and more Nietzschean, uh, and uh, that's uh, in, in the article I called it positivist, and that's just sort of mm -hmm. like a, a a way of viewing law and uh, what's moral and immoral um, from 
the the thing that people seem to have some uh, somewhat like almost just sort of accepted without much resistance at all in the past year is that the government has the right to tell us what to do um and without any sort of uh resistance whatsoever it's uh you know they've given justifications for it obviously that they're uh, you know, keeping you safe, or they're they're keeping grandma safe, or they're keeping bureaucrats safe. I, I don't know. I, so they're keeping something safe, right? Um, that is enough justification for us to give them give away all kinds of power, including our right to liberty, um, and in some cases, our right to you know run a business or assemble. Or I mean, there there's just so many things that are have essentially been taken away from us. Because they kind of can, and uh, and in the past, uh, under a sort of different moral system, uh, where where people actually like believed in natural law and things like that, this is not something that they would have ever entertained. Uh, but because they they don't believe in natural law, it seems um, they have no qualms about you know adding restrictions like this, um, and sort of rec uh, they're not even realizing how. Um, evil <laughs> these things are. It, it, it's literally like th this is what we condemn the Nazis for, the you know Stalinist <laughs> yeah. Russia for, and all, all of this. But you know, pe people seem to sort of be lying down and saying, "Okay, well, thank you for keeping me safe." Instead of, you know, uh, where where are my rights? Uh, <laughs> don't I have rights to my own stuff? And yeah, it, it's uh, that that seems to be what's happened over the last year as this power has been very much crystallized into things that into realms that we didn't expect, uh, especially personal liberty. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a wild thing. I want, I want to pull in a couple of threads there. So at, at some point, I want to discuss like the difference between natural and positivism. But there's um, a couple of threads I want to pull on. So you, you mentioned, um, you know, without resistance. And, and I guess I would resist that a little bit in the sense that I think uh -huh. there has been there has been resistance but what what's really interesting and and this reminds me of you know all of those regimes that you mentioned whether it was the Stalinists mm -hmm. or the Nazis and all that sort of stuff is resistance has been labeled as um you know uh terrorism or conspiracy extremism so, 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 now, yeah extremism exactly so, <laughs> so so that's been labeled as that and the other part that I think is really dangerous and what's really concerned me is whilst you know, governments are, you know, governments or central planners or bureaucrats and the intelligentsia, the academias, whatever you want to call all of these, you know, in Taleb's word, intellectual idiots, um, mm -hmm. you know, whilst a lot of them are to blame, I'm actually quite disappointed. And, and I wrote this in my uh, introduction on, um, on the Bitcoin Times is the, the almost sadomasochistic nature of our fellow neighbors who are mm -hmm. so inclined to support not only the deterioration of their own liberties uh, mm -hmm. by some central institution, but to then also snitch on their neighbors and <laughs> want to willfully fuck up someone else's life. So, so, so for me, it's like, you know, all the, all the people who are willing to think for themselves are now extremists and terrorists. Um, mm -hmm. And everyone who wants to be a part of a homogenous sludge has become, you know, uh, almost an enemy to, to the rest of us, like they're, they're, they're a, as Hopper would sort of say, they're like a, um, they're almost an arm of this parasite called government. So like, mm -hmm. what's like, what's your thoughts on that? And A and B, do you think, um, 
you know, that's sort of the new face of modern warfare in a sense. Um, yeah, I, it, it is interesting that we're, we're seeing this phenomenon of, uh, of a lot of people that are essentially supporting um, these, you know, uh, sort of, uh, you know, violations of rights. Uh, I, I, you, would, you would think that they would be better understanding of what rights are. And instead, they're like snitching on their neighbors for having, uh, you know, a gathering of six people and, and things like that, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, but in a sense, it's we we've been kind of bred for that, uh, for the lack of a better word, right? Like we're we're put mm. in school for, you know, twelve years at least, uh, and this is what we learn is obedience to authority without really thinking for yourself what the actual right thing is. We we haven't really been taught right and wrong in, in sort of that natural rights framework. We've been taught right and wrong from a positivist. Uh, framework, which is, you know, if you're doing what the teacher says, then you're in the mm -hmm. right, no matter what it is that the teacher says, tells you to do. And you're, and if you don't do what the teacher says, you're in the wrong, no matter what the teacher told you not to do, right? Like it's, um, and that, that's sort of the mentality that we've all gotten into. And unfortunately, that's, that's a mentality that's very hard to get out of, because it, it's a very utilitarian morality, uh, in the sense that if you do cooperate uh, with authority, um, I mean, things will generally go pretty well for you. If you're cooperating, you know, like they'll make sure that, uh, you know, you, you, you can sort of like stay to yourself. And as long as you give them what they want, they'll kind of leave you alone. Um, although, you know, like you're not allowed to do whatever they mm, <laughs> tell you, you yeah. can't do. Uh, yeah. but, but that, that it's, it's sort of like the, um, the tendency to sort of like, you know, just get along um, and no matter what beliefs you have to give or no matter who you have to trample on, it's uh, as long as I have peace, safety and security, then, you know, who cares kind of thing. Um, and it's a, it's a very sort of uh, narcissistic kind of way of looking at things um, because it's, it, it really just is about self-preservation and much less about, something greater uh, that's outside yourself, which is, you know, rights of other people, rights of, uh, you know, just principles of civilization and, um, you know, like wanting to do something greater than yourself. A lot of people have the sort of that existential um, angst uh, about them because they've been narcissistic so, so long and they don't know why they, their life feels meaningless. Well, it's, it's because, you've, you've just been obeying whoever, uh, you know, whatever they're saying. And, you know, I mean, of course, you're going to feel depressed, because you're not achieving anything that's beyond yourself. And, um, and that that seems to be like, what's happening there is that, uh, in a sense, like that, that whole snitching phenomenon of, uh, of like reporting on your neighbors and wanting everyone else to be as miserable as you it's, um, you know, it's, it's part of that angst of, of not having purpose and, you know, just seeing things as, uh, see, seeing the world in a pretty nihilistic dark way. Uh, and that, that seems to have more or less pervaded the world, <laughs> at least as far as I could tell. And if you don't have Bitcoin, oh man, is, is the world so depressing right now? Yeah. I, I think the, the, the nihilistic thing, I definitely agree with it's because, yeah. <laughs> We, we've 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 traded meaning and purpose for some uh, some 
fleeting pursuit of happiness i think and or, and or safety we, even it's not even happiness it's, it's just yeah, yeah, don't exactly. kill it's me even, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's even more pathetic you're 100 right it's even yeah. more pathetic than um than and 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 you know it's not even it's not even safety we can even probably say it's just the illusion of safety yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. literally all it is it's um mm-hmm. it's this uh pe- people uh settling with the um with the with with the cage so that they have the illusion of safety um so mm-hmm. that you know so that someone doesn't hurt them supposedly and and I, I would i agree with everything you said i would just push back like i don't even think it's even utilitarian because i don't mm. think um this actually works um i, I mm. think actually as this th- this pathway just becomes a, a de-evolution um until mm-hmm. it reaches some sort of breaking point where the um you know as as the you know call it the snitches and the uh, <laughs> and the unhappy and the and the jealous and the yes and all of that as they proliferate and effectively infect others um what ends up happening is they they divide each other and when they've eaten up or you know when they've disposed of individuals who who don't want to be a part of that they don't have anything else to eat up so they turn in on themselves and you know the organism eats itself so it's like a it's like a parasite that ends up killing the host it kills itself um so, so yeah, like- yeah i and i i would agree with that um uh i i think if you have um sort of a wide enough view then you can clearly see that's coming like i mean mm-hmm. there's there's no way sort of the powers that be are going to stay united in whatever, you know, latest slogan there is, there's going to be fights up there, and somebody's going to take control, and um, it'll marginalize more and more people and so on. Uh, but from a narcissistic point of view, one one that is only focused on yourself, it's yeah, hard but- to see that, right? Because it's a, it's a very narrow point of view, because it's really only about your own safety. So, when you see your neighbor, um, you know, not wearing a mask or something like that, um, you know, you report them or whatever, uh, in, in a sense, because you don't really care about their, you know, rights or whatever. It's all about your safety. And if you're not, uh, you know, if you like, it gives you some something of a sense of purpose to snitch on them because you're at least doing something to prolong your purpose which currently is really just surviving um and like having some measure of uh of control over your life which you clearly don't because you know the government tells you what what to do so um in a sense it's uh, like from a psychological standpoint that seems to me the the main mechanic that's happening is that yeah i mean people don't have much purpose beyond their life right now and so they ascribe an importance to sort of physically living on uh, to a degree that is just completely unhealthy and it brings on this existential angst and uh, makes you sort of, uh, you know, be kind of a terrible person, to be honest. Mm-hmm. One thing, actually, so I, I've, I've got a friend uh, who's in Germany and, you know, her and I, we sort of didn't really see eye to eye uh, on a lot of things, particularly the whole lockdown thing in the beginning. But it's really interesting to see how even she's now like talking about how depressing it is over there. You know, every, everyone is like, it's cold, it's dark. You know, no one is th- th- like, 
everyone's lost um, any sense of connection with other human beings, all mm -hmm. for this, um, for this, you know, again, illusion of safety that, mm -hmm. you know, that the government tells us about, but also the short sightedness. I, I think that's probably another thing that's happened in the world today is, and this is also a function of, uh, I guess, fiatism, uh, whether fiat mm -hmm. authority, fiat money, fiat, you know, uh, mm -hmm. dictates or whatever, is um, it's shortened the, the time horizon of human beings. And, and that, Hopper actually talks about this in Democracy, the God that failed, is um, he, he sort of discusses how monarchies are better than, um, than you know, modern day <laughs> democracies, because in a monarchy, you know, there's, there's at least some skin in the game from the monarch, you know, private property rights, you know, uh, you know, are resembled um, or embodied in some sense. Now, doesn't mean that monarchs are, are, are good, but they're a step up from democracy, because mm -hmm. in democracy, what you've got is a caretaker with no skin in the game, who comes in for a short period of time, um, and what's their incentive mechanism? It's to you know to, to benefit now. With whilst having whilst owning the uh, the monopoly on morality, ethics, money, and violence, um, mm -hmm. so you have no recourse to your uh, bad judgments or bad decisions. Um, and who gives a fuck what's going to happen later? You know, the next person can deal with it because it's not my private property; it's public. Um, mm -hmm. And that you know, when we've shortened the the time frame and we've you know created a moral hazard by removing any consequence of bad decisions at the top. That seems to have filtered through all of society now, in a sense that everything is so short term. No one really gives a fuck. You know, we're, we're just thinking about the next paycheck, the next bit of bread. You know, the next breath we can take. Um, and, and it's it's weird. It's it's almost depressing. Like for for, for someone like me who's so uh, freedom oriented and mm. curious about life, I just. I walk down the street and I see, you know, young people, healthy people just wearing masks in the middle of the day, walking on the mm -hmm. fucking street outside. It's just, I just don't feel a part of it anymore. And it's, it's just, I don't know, it's sad. Yeah, I, I, I think what you're describing is sort of like a profound disconnection with civilization or society. And, um, mm. and you know, physical presence uh, is one of the requirements of, uh, of having that. And, uh, and the unfortunate reality is that we haven't been able to be in the physical presence of too many other people. Um, and you could kind of see that whenever you actually go and hang out with people, people just hang out just a little longer because they missed it. There's something mm. like just like very human about connecting with people that's uh, that's entirely necessary. Um, the unfortunate reality, of course, is that a lot of people um, are really scared and they, they've given into their fear. And, uh, and I, I, I've said this before, the biggest thing missing, uh, the, the biggest thing that this uh, this whole crisis revealed is just a, a complete lack of courage on the on the part mm. of just people in society today because they are just utterly fearful of getting this thing um or, or what i really suspect is that they're they're more fearful of running afoul of government more than anything yeah. else or yeah. like social disapproval uh than actual like covid right like it it's it's more about like getting uh the approval of uh, of their peers or whatever uh, like it, it's, it's hilarious. Cause I, I, I'm pretty sure most of them don't actually think they'll like die or whatever, but they have to act like 
they do in order to get their dude it's a hundred percent that last one so that same girl that i was just mentioning earlier so she's like i don't care if i get covid she goes it doesn't matter but she said i just don't want to um be looked at when i'm on the bus or on the train you know like i'm tired of people you know looking at me funny and stuff so it's literally become that it's literally people don't want to be stared at like so they just want to just fit in you know don't don't look at me don't disturb me and because it's funny because i got into a you know, an argument with some crazy lady in a freaking chocolate shop in Berlin. And it was just, it was just so <laughs> unnecessary. Well, I'm standing there next to her and, you know, they obviously wouldn't let us in in the shop without a mask. So I had a mask on, but I just had it sitting under my nose because I uh, just hate breathing in that uh, shit. Uh, and she's standing next to me. She like freaks out. She's like, Ugh! and I was like, what uh, the fuck? Uh, and, I'm, and then instead of speaking to me, she speaks to me through the, um, through the chick at the cash register uh-huh. and tells her to tell me, to put my mask on (laughs) what the fuck and i was like look i don't want to wear it you know you've got your mask on i find it difficult to breathe and then she fucking laughed and i almost snapped like i like Uh i wouldn't hit a woman but i just i was like seeing blood so i just walked Uh out of the shop and then this girl sort of that i was with um she Mm -hmm. came outside she's like oh why would you chuck a tantrum like that as a kid and all this sort of stuff Uh And initially I felt bad, but then afterwards I thought about it and I thought, you know what, more people need to actually chuck a tantrum about this uh-huh. to start uh-huh. making it socially acceptable to uh-huh. actually resist. Because the more of us that just cower behind that, the more of us that just agree and be like, oh yeah, you know, and, and even if we justify it with, oh, you know, I just, you know, I don't want to make it difficult for someone, but fuck that we need to like make it as difficult as possible for anyone enforcing it even if it's not their choice to enforce it um uh-huh. you know like whether security guards or anything i actually think we need to push back because otherwise we end up with um what, what was that uh i think he was a pastor or something uh that uh-huh. said that saying uh they came first they came for the jews uh, sorry yeah. first they came for the communists but i wasn't a communist so i didn't say anything uh-huh. and then they came for uh-huh. the jews blah blah, blah. Yeah. and then they came for me and there was no one left to yeah. speak for me I, yeah, I, I think that's what it is at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. I, there, there's definitely something about that. There's um, there, there's uh, like you're you're essentially uh, talking about appealing to their narcissism because the reason why she uh, you know, she's freaking out is because she thinks she's in danger and she's really only caring about herself, right? Doesn't mm-hmm, care about mm-hmm, you. Doesn't mm-hmm, care that mm-hmm. you know you find it difficult to breathe. For all she knows, you know you could have like a difficult breathing condition, and if you don't do mm-hmm. that, you might die. But yep. uh, as far as she's concerned, she she uh, she's narcissistic, so she doesn't put herself in your position and try to understand where you're coming from. Instead, it is all about fear, and and she's sort of running on instinct, running on whatever uh, is sort of coming to mind right away. <laughs> Sorry, uh, allergies. So Corona's uh, got you, man. <laughs> We're all so, gonna die. <laughs> uh, that that narcissism is uh, is very sensitive to uh, you know any sort of uh, social approval, social uh, you know like where where your status is in relation to others and so on. Uh, so I, I think what you're saying essentially is that by sort of making a bigger deal of it uh, and putting, giving some pushback on the other side, you, you add cost to sort of mm-hmm. doing what's perceived as safe. Um, and mm-hmm. that might scramble their thing a little bit. Now that could potentially backfire uh, by, 
by them, uh, you know, doubling down on their current belief. Uh, but, you know, it might, at least for those people in the middle, it might also, it might make it uh, easier for them to, to sort of like go more with the flow. And, and I've seen yeah. this, right? Like you, you have a group and, uh, and uh, you know, one person takes off a mask and then another person mm -hmm. takes off a mask. And then next thing you know, it it's spreads. like, yeah. yeah, it spreads. And then like, there's still people with the mask, but they feel a little more isolated than the people that are taking, taking yeah. it off. And yeah. that uh, there, there's definitely something about social approval. That's a big part of this, which is, uh, you know, they, they people are so hyper-conscious of their status and, that only happens if you have a really narcissistic society. I, I you don't, uh, there aren't enough people that just sort of don't care and will do whatever they want. Uh, and th those are the, ironically, like th those are the people that actually end up setting the trend for everybody else. So, uh, you know, you need more of that, but that again, requires a lot of courage. Uh, and that's not something that's in too much abundance right now, uh, unfortunately. And, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I think uh, I'll we'll tie up this section with just the note on the courage. I think, uh -huh. like we said before, you know, society, when it optimizes itself, and, and I, I wrote about this at length, actually, in my Bitcoin Times piece was, you know, you, you we have a choice to optimize society for safety or for freedom. And, you know, the I think, and this will tie into the next question I actually want to ask you, which is where we'll go down your rabbit hole. But I think when society optimizes itself for safety, the cost is courage. Mm. Uh, you know, when, uh, when, um, and, and, and that's like, we, we are paying that cost now is that we, mm. we have cushioned society so much that the courage of the individual is gone. And we wonder why no one's willing to stand up to, to speak when there is like evident things happening to others like you know i saw a bloody uh, video the other day of some chick you know at the airport and she wasn't wearing a mask and she fucking got wrangled by this big fat security guard like you know for her safety she got mm -hmm. practically beaten up um thrown on the floor and then chucked out of the fucking airport and arrested like mm -hmm. like that kind of stuff it's just that's that's the price we're paying as a society and it's un unfortunate in a world of collectivism that um you know, it, good individuals have to pay that price as well, mm -hmm. alongside the sludge. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's, uh, that's really sad. But I'll, I'll tie this into my first question. So, so I had a list of questions here that I wanted to dig into, but I, I, I want to start really high and back in time, which is, mm -hmm. can you answer the question, uh, or you know, to the best of your ability, like, why do governments as an institution exist? Like in your mind, why do you think it emerged? Well, um, it, it emerged to help coordinate various things. Um, I, I, I think I've, uh, uh, I, I've read various theories on what their purpose was, but uh, generally it's, it's some, some form of coordination or some cooperation um, and you, centralized cooperation is a lot easier than decentralized uh, and it's, uh, easier to make that happen. So if you need to, you know, um, a, a typical one is, uh, is war, right? Like if you're defending against a bunch of marauders, then, you know, uh, having one person sort of 
coordinate the defense is a lot easier than having multiple pockets uh, because then they can just sort of pick you off one by one. Uh, so that's part of it. Um, I, I suspect that there's also a sort, a sort of a, you know, a desire for justice, if you will. Um, you don't want people that are doing wrong things that are violating other people's rights to uh, sort of get away with it. And government uh, in that sense is sort of like the, the people that can help bring justice, uh, which is you know, compensating the victim or uh, punishing uh, or yeah, essentially compensating the victim. I think that's what justice should be. It's unfortunately been sort of um, changed uh, to yeah, essentially inverted. like, instead of paying debt to the victim, it's almost always paying debt to the state in the form of your time or something like that. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But that that's, uh, that's what I think government should be. Uh, it, it's, it's, you know, somebody that sort of distributes justice and coordinates, um, you know, against external threats, something like that. Okay, so so that uh, I guess the the classic Ayn Randian view was like government should perform three functions. Uh, function mm -hmm. number one is defend from external. Function mm -hmm. number two is some sort of policing, so defend people from mm -hmm. beating each other up. Um, mm -hmm. And function number three was uh, courts. You know, other than that, uh -huh. get government out of everything. So, um, I guess you know. <sighs> What what do you think went wrong along the way? So like, you know, mm -hmm. the, the original promise of government sounds like it was to basically facilitate those functions. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, and so, so, so first question is, what's the difference between government, you know, in its original incarnations um, mm -hmm. and, you know, what versus now? And then what do you think went awry along the way? Yeah, that's a great question. I, um, I mean, I, 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 I think the main thing that went wrong is that governments uh, sort of put themselves in authority instead of thinking that they were under authority. And th th that's a, an important concept in my mind is mm. thinking that they are the authority, essentially sort of like they can play God with people or being under the authority of something else um, that could be you know natural law or god or something like that typically it's always been god right historically um you know people uh you know sovereigns that thought they were under um sort of the authority of god they they tended to act better right they, they didn't slaughter all their people or whatever uh the people that didn't think that that thought that they were the authority, they, they were the ones that committed atrocities, the ones that sent people to concentration camps and gulags and whatnot. Um, that, that uh, I think is the main thing. And, you know, that started with the enlightenment, you know, you, you saw what happened with the French revolution and uh, eventually like that led to Marx and communism and lots of other sort of things along the way, but essentially, it's, uh, you know, it's these governments that instead of thinking of their role as establishing justice, which means that you believe in some law or natural law or some, some set of principles that's, uh, that's unchanging, that's above you, um, versus, you know, 
like sort of thinking that they're below you and that you can you can define them to be whatever they want whatever you want and we're kind of seeing that a lot today right like it's uh you know i like i i didn't think of like social distancing as a, a, a as like a right uh, a year ago uh but but that's uh, that's sort of like something that's been imposed that that that's a value that uh that's been sort of handed down as something that we need to respect or something um and it, that that sort of thing is uh, is because government itself sees itself very differently than they used to, um, and seeing uh, itself as sort of you know uh, enforcing justice that already exists or being able to define justice, th those are very very different things, and they lead to extremely different outcomes. Um, right now, unfortunately, what we're seeing is that governments think that they can define justice for themselves. And that's what essentially is what positivism is uh, and saying, hey, we get to define what uh, what good means for you and therefore you mm -hmm. have to follow it. Uh, and you get all sorts of weirdness like you do now. I, I mean, I think most people know that something is just terribly wrong right now. Um, I don't know if they put point this out as the cause but i think it is yeah w would you agree with the statement so the way i kind of try and explain the difference between natural law and positivism to people is positivism you know ends up being uh, an arbitrary application of rights uh -huh. or um, uh -huh. laws uh to to, to uh -huh. different groups at different times and all that sort of stuff whereas natural law um is uh -huh. this idea of uh rules or laws or you know values that are maybe not values doesn't even sit in here but like i guess constraints call uh -huh. it, that apply to everyone everywhere all the time yeah yeah and that and that's much more intuitive to people that uh mm, that mm. that that should be the way it is um and it's positivism that is unintuitive for people and this is why we call you know, um, you know, Nazis evil and, uh, you know, the Stalinist evil. Uh, I mean, from a positivist standpoint, you, you really can't object to either of those if you come from a positivist mindset, because by uh, like, because the government can define what is good or uh, good or right or whatever. Uh, if there's no higher law, some higher sense of right and wrong, then they get to define it and you can't and if you subscribe to that then you can't say okay well they murdered all these people therefore it's wrong well i mean if the government says murder is right then then there's there's no real like objection that you can throw up unless you appeal to something higher uh, but that requires you to accept that there is a higher law in which case you can uh you, you know uh there's the possibility that the government can be wrong in which case you would have a moral obligation to object to a government doing something wrong. Um, and the unfortunate reality is that, you know, most people have a positivist mindset, probably as a result of, uh, you know, some level of narcissism that exists, which is, you know, like not looking at the larger view, but just, you know, how can I survive or how can I live um, instead of, thinking about what what's worth taking a bullet for what's worth mm. dying mm. for what's worth uh, you know having a purpose for um for many people the answer is nothing uh so uh when you have nothing to live for 
the only thing you can live for is yourself. And that's not narcissism in a nutshell. And it brings an existential angst and a, a profound depression, which not surprisingly, many people are in right now. Yeah, I, um, I, I would just for the, uh -huh. the atheists um, out there who might be triggered by the word higher. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna also sort of frame but, um sorry go 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 well I mean but it, it has to be higher than government if government is your ultimate authority you end up in this place of not being able to object to Nazism right. or Stalinism right. uh so you, it has to be higher than government and I mean like you can argue uh like if you if, if you like it has to it has to exist in order for you to be able to object otherwise you're appealing to something that is lower than some uh, something like government, then that doesn't make any sense. Then you have no no objection. So, like logically, it it literally can't work. Yeah. So so maybe maybe higher is the appropriate word. Um, you uh -huh. know, I, I I would also you know add the the meaning of um, I guess the 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 bottom up approach versus uh -huh. like the the top down approach and you know uh -huh. i sort of think of this in my mind as the difference between um uh emergent hierarchies of competence versus mm -hmm. uh fiat hierarchies which are not mm -hmm. based on competence they're just based on arbitrary positivist type uh decree. Yeah, it's based on power uh, it's uh i can impose this on you and that's it yeah yeah just because um not not uh -huh. because it uh not because it's uh competent not because it's uh functional but because i'm here um and you're mm -hmm. not and and i think that like you know jordan P peterson talks about this in his um in his first chapter of, of 12 rules and and i really like this chapter and everyone knows it as the lobster chapter but you know the uh -huh. just just the the idea of how natural hierarchies emerge mm -hmm. in in nature all the time like our mm -hmm. like existence's ability to to function depends upon uh, ordering things in importance, right? And mm -hmm. importance is defined by some form of hierarchy. So, so hierarchies mm -hmm. are perfectly natural, um, mm -hmm. and you know that they, they always emerge naturally. Now, when hierarchies become corrupt, what they what do they do? They, they you know they fall apart, they decay. You know, like they they're not built on a strong foundation anymore. And I think, you know, this this notion of government that we've been led to believe is the way the world works is mm -hmm. literally uh, a fiat hierarchy it's mm -hmm. literally no longer about competence it's no longer about are you good at what you do it's mm -hmm. what position are you in um and uh -huh. you know like i mean you know that they they throw the word science around as if they're fucking scientists and they know <laughs> shit, but it's like, yeah, it's it's completely blind. And I think that that emergent property of natural hierarchies is really important because again, that emergent property is bounded by the 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 uh, ruling that I mentioned before, which is that the rules apply to everyone, everywhere, every, all the time. So so there's mm -hmm. no exception. Um, okay. And I think that that's really. I don't know if you. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think what you're describing is basically um, the hierarchy representing something else, right? Like competence or functionality or 
I don't know, even even family relationships or something like that. It mm-hmm. uh, it, it it maps to something else, um, and yeah. the, uh, and I like the word fiat uh, that you're dis- uh, using to describe it because um, uh, one uh, one way of describing fiat that I I, uh, I recently came up on, which I really like, is uh, is this idea that fiat is supposed to be a representation of something, but it actually is not. It, it ends up just representing itself. So fiat money, for example, used to represent gold, some, a certain amount of gold. Uh, but at a certain point, it no longer represented gold. It just represented itself. And when you represent itself, when it has no mapping to anything else, um, it's it, it's sort of unbound by anything and it tends to go kind of haywire. Um, there, there's no sort of grounding in reality, if you will. And I think that's uh, that's the hierarchy that you're describing with government is that it's supposed to map to something, right? Whether it be meritocracy or even uh, hereditary rule or something, right? Like uh, some some map, it, it it should map to something. Right now, it doesn't really map to anything. Maybe popular opinion, but I mean, given sort of like the election shenanigans that that have gone on, it's not, it doesn't even really map to that. So the, yeah. it, it, it's literally fiat rule. It's it, it's a hierarchy that is that that doesn't map to anything. It doesn't uh, it, it doesn't represent anything other than itself. Uh, it, it doesn't represent meritocracy or skill or competence or functionality or anything. It's just it is what it is. It's just power. And you know you you get that in uh, various, uh, totalitarian places, right? Like what, what is, uh, you know, North Korea right now, right? It's, it's just, it's not the most, you know, able ruler that's ruling. It's not the most, the smartest guy ruling. It it doesn't map to anything. It's just, he just happened to be the grandson of the guy that founded the country. That's it. And and it's sort of like unmoors itself from reality. And that, that, Mm -hmm. that's where we kind of are at the moment is that, you know, we're we're in a civilization that uh, that's very fiat. It, it's it's not based in reality, and you you can unmoor yourself from reality only for so long before reality catches up, and then yeah, everything yeah, kind yeah. kind of comes crashing back down. Which is what happens with fiat currency all the time. Um, but fiat government, you know, I mean, uh, I I can see the same thing happening. Um, there's a reason why Soviet Union fell and. You know, um, a lot of these uh, governments don't last all that long because once you get on more from reality, it's done. It's over. I love that point. Actually, I was on uh, a call the other day and, and that, that actually question came up. It was like, so, so what, what can governments do to you know, suppress Bitcoin? And I said that they can try everything. You know, they can tr- like whether they're friendly towards Bitcoin or, um, or or non-friendly towards Bitcoin, it doesn't actually matter because government is sort of abhorrent uh, when we map it back to reality, really. And and mm-hmm. what what they're doing is they're playing games, which, like you said, they, they don't map to reality. So that so they're you know, they're using Stephanie Kelton economics, two plus two equals four hundred and thirty eight. Everything's made up. You know, there, there's mm-hmm. like. It doesn't map back to actual human time or human input or natural mm-hmm. resources. So it's like all this shit's made up. And, and at some point, like, you know, everyone bags capitalism these days because they don't know how to define it. Like, you know, when I look mm-hmm. at capitalism, I, I look at that as natural order, natural law. Capitalism is the mm-hmm. the the most efficient use and application of 
the scarce resources we have, which is natural resources and our our personal energy. So, so how best do we use that um, to to produce something of use? That that is the forcing function of capitalism, and that has to be rooted in reality. Otherwise, you end up building shit, creating shit um, that doesn't matter, and you you waste capital, you burn through capital, and that's effectively what's happening in in the world today. Like you said, it's unmoored to reality. So yeah. we're, we're, you know, they're, they're playing this game that at some stage, the, the, real, the gravity of reality is mm. going to catch up. It's like they're playing the game of Icarus. They're, they're yeah. flying. They think mm. they're geniuses. Um, mm. And just because on a short enough time frame, they've gone up for a moment, doesn't uh-huh. mean that gravity is not going to come and catch up. It, it will always catch up. And this is and, and this this uh, is why we call it sort of natural law, right? Like there mm, there is mm, a reality, mm, and yeah. uh, and you know there there's sort of like a gravity to it, or you know you know mass and velocity and preservation of energy or whatever. It's sort of like the sort of metaphysical uh, equivalence of those that if if you're not connected to those, then it inevitably crumbles. It's like building a building that you know, only, or building a chair with only two legs or something like that, it's going mm, to fall mm. because it, it's, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's not solid. It's, it, it's not in, in line with natural law. And, um, and that, that's something that, uh, unfortunately, like a lot of people just don't subscribe to. It's almost like they're denying gravity in a way. Um, but in sort of like, uh, in, in the metaphysical realm, because it, there, there really are rights and things like that. You violate them enough. Well, I mean, things go really badly and you, you become, you know, like you end up committing atrocities or you, you do mm. things that, uh, I, I mean, in, in a sense, I, I suppose the last year can be considered an, atroc- uh, an atrocity too. Like there, it, we're, we, we've become so, far from reality and that distance between what real what reality is and what is said to be reality by those in power um that's a cognitive dissonance that's very difficult to manage and in a sense um you know a lot of people are depressed as a result because they're not finding themselves in alignment with natural law essentially so okay i want to tie this now into um Hold on, let me let me just pull up my question so I know I'm asking the right piece here because I've got a little flow. Um, so why does um, actually you know what before I ask this question? Um, so where do you think? Let's say in the absence of Bitcoin, where do you think this path leads? Um, you know the the path that we're on now. This this path dictated by fiat authority, dictated not by you know competence or functionality or by you know natural law which applies to everyone every every time all the time um where does this pathway lead yeah i um generally what uh what happens when you build something that's uh that goes against the laws of physics is that it crumbles right it it falls down It, it doesn't last um, I, I expect that for any of anything that's sort of fiat that's unmoored from reality that's uh, trying to defy uh, natural law gravity, if you will. Um, it, it doesn't work. Uh, so I, I, I like how it exactly crumbles or what points uh, actually cause it to crumble. I don't know. Um, like 
there are many ways for a two-legged chair to fall, I think, uh, or a one-legged <laughs> chair to fall. Um, yeah, there, there's many ways in which that can happen. So it's, it's a matter of uh, sort of observing and paying close attention. Uh, but it literally could be almost anything because you're like, you know, it's kind of like asking, okay, you throw somebody up in the air, it, uh, like in what way will they land and break and break themselves and hurt themselves? I mean, yeah. if you're dropping them from a, you know, 20 story building, they're going to hurt themselves in some way. You just don't know exactly how, whether or not they'll be crippled for life or they'll die or, you know, they'll be a vegetable. We, I like, it's hard to predict because, it is sort of like a, a lot of variables that are going into it uh, be, because they're just sort of trying to violate too many laws at once. Yeah. See, see, my my biggest concerns are, um, I guess, like, again, in the absence of Bitcoin, even potentially with Bitcoin, there's like, because the, the level of stupidity exhibited by the intelligentsia is like next level, right? So, mm -hmm. um, you know, my, my biggest concerns probably center around... Uh, you know, a technocratic type dystopia where, uh, you know, we, where what the information we can digest, the people we can communicate with, the things we can buy effectively are completely centrally controlled, um, mm -hmm. you know, which is basically the, the dream of the Soviets who were mm -hmm. not technologically advanced enough to potentially uh, implement something like that, which the Chinese arguably may be or may not be. I think that's uh, one option. Are, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, the other one is sort of like, uh, you know, the the unleashing of a uh, of another type of leviathan. Let's say, you know, this whole race to to develop an AI uh, mm -hmm. that is better than us or smarter than us, and in the process, we make ourselves uh, obsolete through our arrogance and ignorance. Um, the other one is potentially the uh, the, the nuclear version where we, you know, all drop a button and, you know, bomb ourselves. I feel like that's probably the least likely because it feels like in the modern age, the, um, I'm sorry, I'm going into some dark shit here, but um, the, you know, in the modern age, I feel like uh, overt uh, bombing kind of is like not politically correct enough. So it's, oh. you know, it's probably less likely, but then you've got like the, the, the possibility of like an EMP because everything mm. is so, fragile today uh like uh -huh. everything's sort of just in time and particularly with all the lockdowns recently like everything's been stretched mm -hmm. even further like mm -hmm. one emp in one place could wipe out you know the last remnant of um of civilization in in quite a broad location so i guess do you have any thoughts on or, or i guess maybe the fifth one is um is uh a complete economic collapse which uh -huh. I think might probably be the best one out of all of them, because if it's, if it's an economic collapse, then, you know, we kind of uh, uh -huh. have a chance to reset uh, and rebuild. But with, with that sort of context, do you think any of those are likely whether with or without Bitcoin um, or, you know, do you think with Bitcoin, we sort of have a elegant way out? What, what's, what's your thoughts there? That's a, yeah, that that that's a. It's asking me to sort of predict how the world will end, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah. what's the most likely? Um, I I I honestly don't know uh, what, uh, but I I wouldn't sort of uh, sit on the nuclear question because 
I things change so quickly. Um, and th this is the mm. thing about sort of fiat morality, which which I think we're under right now is, yeah. uh, you you know things change so quickly. What what used to be considered like sexist like five years ago is like now considered fine. I I I don't understand like the the rules keep changing because they're not more to mm -hmm. anything, right? They're not uh, they're not hooked into whatever. So. Uh, it's entirely possible at some point if, uh, if say, Texas secedes or something, let's just say something like that happens, and then all of the uh, all of the people that are you know on the more conservative conservative side move in, all the liberal people move out, and then the you know the people that are in control of Washington D.C. Um, you know feel that. All the racists are in one place. Let's uh, and they they are disrupting our communications or something. Let's go bomb them. This is this this is the right thing to do or something. I I wouldn't put it past them to have mm, something mm. like that happen, right? Like it, it's not a a a, uh, a crazy scenario in my mind. Like uh, that, you know, pretty much anything can be justified at this point if you can lock everyone down and. Uh, essentially place everyone under house arrest for this long, um, you're capable of a lot more. Um, and now, like that said, I, I think, uh, you know, there, there are enough people in government, at least at the moment, that, uh, you know, at least pretend that they have uh, some higher law that they subscribe to, uh, and at, at the very least have to, um, <coughs> sorry, uh, show that to their constituents uh, that it, it, it will be okay. Uh, like, I, I don't think that's like imminent or anything, but is that possible in the future? Absolutely. Because what once you're sort of uh, quote unquote free from moral constraints, you, you're capable of anything. Uh, and we've seen this in the 20th century. It's, it's just a matter of uh, justifying it and manipulating uh, people and civilization or society around you to uh, go along with whatever it is uh, your reasoning, uh, moral reasoning might be, and then go from there. Um, and th that's the playbook of any government nowadays to justify whatever it is that they do, whether it be war or, uh, you know, bailing out banks or whatever. It, it, it's, uh, you know, uh, and this is what I mean by like sort of that Nietzschean morality. It's, uh, you know, the underneath the surface it's all about will to power if i can do it i i i will and it's moral for that reason but at least it's sold that but in a way it's it's sold to the public as the moral thing to do because they control the narrative and they can um you know like they got a lot of minions in you know academia and the media and hollywood that that will go along with it and uh and make it costly from sort of a social standing perspective to go against them and that's that's what we've seen in the last year so that to me is the is the vector by which uh things start to crumble uh and we're, we're kind of already seeing it a little bit um like the insane amount of money printing that that has economic consequences they're going to try to forestall it as long as they can but Given the existence of Bitcoin, it's not going to be easy to forestall it for all that long. Because soon as people come in to Bitcoin, uh, mm -hmm. in any kind of numbers, um, that that's we go from gradually to suddenly real quick, and 
then you could see the disintegration of government or like a, a, a huge scaling back because the bureaucrats aren't going to get paid. The deep state ain't going to get paid. All, all of those people are, you know, now, I mean, they, they either have to become thugs, which I really hope they don't, but it is possible that they become sort of like the new SS or something and demand, uh, you know, your property uh, just to, you know, keep them in power. But I mean, my gut feeling is that they probably aren't because they're bureaucrats. Uh, they they just don't like doing much at all. So um, they'll yeah. probably complain, and that's it. We'll we'll see what happens though. But that that seems to me the most likely scenario uh, that that's about to happen. It's it's interesting how you know Bitcoin's in a sense become a an accelerant uh, in many ways for this because. Um, you know, I, I always say like when I when I try and get people uh, into and interested in Bitcoin, you know, I always talk about how the cornerstone of, of freedom is free human action. Like, and I always use the example of, you know, don't tell me what someone says. Like, if I want to know someone, I don't want to know what they say. Show me their bank account and I'll tell you what they believe. Because, you know, that, that, that you know, their bank account, where they spend their money, what they do is, is, is basically who they are that's their human action uh, in economic mm -hmm. form and and when an authority can have the 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 power to determine your human action you are fundamentally a serf you're, you're or not even a serf you're a fucking slave and mm -hmm. and and that's why i say like for me bitcoin is the most important manifestation of freedom of speech and freedom of the individual like the, it, it mm -hmm. actually starts there uh, beyond anything else um, and then from there we can sort of build so I guess without me um, going any deeper on that um, we talked about this doomsday so mm -hmm. I want to ask two questions in in wrapping this up is you know what is a the moral case for Bitcoin and mm -hmm. I want if you can lead that into how uh, Bitcoin we know it's an accelerant for for the for the collapse mm -hmm. of the the fiat authority we're living in but what does, you know, what what, are, what might be some alternatives to those bad uh, events or bad versions of the future that Bitcoin might help uh, enable? So what's the moral case for Bitcoin and what, what can Bitcoin do to fix or change some of these potentially bad destinies? Yeah, I, I, I think uh, the moral case for Bitcoin is that it's in alignment with natural law. So it... It, it it's uh it obeys the physics of natural law or something like that and uh it, instead of you know money being sort of handed to whoever uh happens to be the money printer uh instead of uh you know a third party that can restrict your transactions or censor your transactions or confiscate your money or whatever you you have market participants that can freely transact on their own uh that is a very different system than one we have currently. Uh, one that is very positivist, it, it serves those that are in power uh, and lets them do whatever it is that they want to do uh, without any regard to natural law. So Bitcoin is in alignment with natural law and, that, and for that reason, um, and if you believe in natural law, believe that these rights exist and that it, there's, a, there's sort of like a uh, an ideal there uh, that if we subscribe to that we much, uh, you know, human society and civilization thrive and so on. 
um, then that's the reason why you know it, it fixes a lot of things because it's it's anchored in natural law. It's anchored in reality. It's an, anchored in uh, you know the physics of the metaphysical, if that makes sense. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, it, if it is, then everything else can sort of anchor to it as well. It, it's uh, what uh, what investors would call like we we have. Uh, a yardstick that stays static instead of one that's fluctuating and uh, and things like that. That that makes it easier to build things, um, and that makes it easier to create things, uh, including a more just government. Um, now, government happens to be uh, the entity that's most associated with money printing and so on. Uh, but you know that they're they're not the only ones. There's uh, banks and all these other um, entities that take advantage and essentially cause a lot of the, you know, injustice that's in the world right now. So, um, you know, Bitcoin fixes a, a lot of things because it's it's just you know more in line with what is reality. Uh, at least that's that's my view. Is you know moral uh, or natural law is a part of metaphysical reality that if you don't um you know like sort of give it its due uh uh respect that every uh, you know, everything else will just sort of fall apart on its own so as a result it's much better to build on so what what's what's some of the for, for someone who's you know not as far down the bitcoin rabbit hole as us um mm -hmm. what what are some of the elements uh, about Bitcoin that make it more in line with natural law? Yeah, uh, so it's it, it doesn't have any sort of subjective, um, it, it's not so subjective, right? Like there's a, uh, anything with the central bank is very much subjective uh, because they can, you know, print more money or whatever. Um, it's also not physical, and believe it or not, that's that's a that's a good property for money, and it's closer to what money should be. Um, it because money represents something in the metaphysical realm. It's the amount of value you've provided somebody else. If it's tied to a physical item, then it's uh, it's less sort of it. it it represents it less, if that makes sense. It, it it's yeah. not as pure of as pure of a representation. It makes it harder to transfer it. For example, uh, if you want to use the value that you've already earned to go pay for something else um, with something physical, now you have to transport it, and that's sort of a tax on what money actually should be. So uh, by by removing that, uh, it, it's it's closer to what money is in reality in sort of like that metaphysical reality um, it, yeah. it's 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 real value and it represents it, it maps a lot closer than some something like gold does if that makes sense uh, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you know there there's this idea of value that we provided and it, it if you map it to bitcoin it's a lot closer to what it should be than if you map it to gold or something else um mm -hmm. And and that that's a wonderful thing, um, and that that means that we uh, the rest of the economics of uh, labor and you know where you're providing value and trying to figure out um, you know how you can provide value to others. Th those things map better as well. Um, 
and ultimately that builds up civilization um, yeah, that, so, that causes more trade and so on. Yeah, the, the way I like, usually like to think of it, um, if you agree with this, is kind of, I, I consider money as almost like a fabric that permeates mm -hmm. through society and, and it kind of enables uh, mm -hmm. communication, the, the, the communication of human action basically between individuals uh, all throughout mm -hmm. society. So, so you can't have, I always say this to people, it's like the form of money can change but you can't mm -hmm. have civilization without money. Like it'll always mm -hmm. emerge. And, you know, mm -hmm. and if we go back to the beginning, it'll start as sticks and stones and, you know, whatever, but it'll always emerge as something. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of like the apex point. So mm -hmm. coming, coming to the, the digital nature then. So what if I'm a naysayer and I say, well, mm -hmm. you know, government money's digital. So, so what, what's, what's different about Bitcoin and what makes it a better form of digital, you know, information in a sense that acts as money? Yeah, so there, there's sort of like the objective element of it. Well, there, there's the physical versus digital nature of it, but there's also mm -hmm. sort of like the objective subjective nature of it. Um, so uh, gold is very objective, right? <laughs> you, you know uh, whether or not you have a piece of gold or not. Um, fiat money is much more subjective because you can just sort of print it at any time. And that that's that's where this uh, this idea that, it's if it's centralized, it's naturally just going to have a lot more subjectivism into it. Uh, or it, it's uh, the creation of it is subjective or arbitrary or in the service of uh, a few people instead of the entire community and so on. Uh, whereas something de decentralized is is more objective. It's it's you know you, you know exactly how much there is, um, and you don't have to make judgments on value. It's it's not market instead of a third party making judgments on the value of something, it's, uh, it's the direct participants that make the, uh, that judgment. And that's how it should be. That's what money is supposed to be. If we're, if you and I are trading and, uh, you know, I give you a, you know, some amount of money for an apple, um, we more or less agree, uh, agreed that the apple is more valuable to me than the money that I'm giving up. And you're agreeing that, the uh, that the apple is worth less to you than the money that you're giving up. That's that's value additive to both of us, and that um, there's no third party in between. But when you have, a, say, a government implementing price controls, right, uh, minimum wage, for example, it's saying, okay, well, we're going to add um, a subjective valuation, an arbitrary valuation uh, that makes it more difficult for you to do trade or to determine for yourself whether or not um you know you're you're getting getting that value so um you know it, even if it is digital um and it is kind of convenient to um you know use the dollar for example to buy things at least in the us um it's it, it still has that element of subjective valuation uh, of um, sort of like picking winners and losers, if you will, which is essentially what government does with every regulation. And the fact that they can print money for their own ends uh, and almost always the subjective valuation comes to government is more important than whatever your savings might be. Um, taking uh, that is a major flaw of the US dollar. Um, so two things. Uh, you know, physical versus digital, obviously digital is superior, subjective versus objective, obviously objective is superior. Could we also throw in, because I remember when we first caught up actually in Sydney a couple of years ago, uh, mm. you gave a talk and you, 
you're one of the first people I heard really nicely articulate the idea of uh, uh, what was it a decentralized digital scarcity was was that was that's or right was it digital mm-hmm. sca- yeah. Well, c- yeah could you maybe touch on that as a big difference between uh, mm-hmm. fiat digital money and you know this Bitcoin digital money yeah. Yeah, so um, so Bitcoin is decentralized, digital, and scarce. Those are the three main properties that it has that nothing else has. So um, it's decentralized like gold, but it's digital like World of Warcraft gold, and uh, and scarce uh, in a way that nothing else has ever been scarce. Uh, even gold gets additional uh, gold coming in. We know that Bitcoin will never go above twenty one million units. Uh, so it's digital, decentralized, and scarce. Um, so the digital aspect sort of gives it a convenience, and it it uh, it maps uh, to what money is supposed to be, which is value you provided to somebody else, a lot better. Um, it's it, it's decentralized, so it's it doesn't have sort of like the subjective uh, value judgments of somebody else interfering with your trade. Um, and it's scarce so that it stores value over time um, instead of being diluted uh, in some way. Um, like gold is, uh, is objective, but you know, um, a- an asteroid can hit the earth tomorrow that's got a lot of gold, in which case uh, gold would be instantly devalued almost. Uh, so Although that like might there- be the last of our, least of our problems if the asteroid <laughs> Well, it depends on the size of it, right? Like, uh, who knows? Uh, so there, there's, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of different things um, that Bitcoin makes superior, and it, it's closer. Um, and, and really, this is the argument, uh, an almost moral argument for Bitcoin, is that it's closer to what money's supposed to be, and it aligns with natural law. And if it aligns with natural law, it's just going to function better. Uh, now you can, uh, as a Christian, I believe that that was God's design for what money is supposed to be. Uh, but if you're an atheist and you believe in natural law that these these uh, you know rights exist and that uh, if we function that way, that uh, you know we'll we'll all get along better and we'll build civilization. I mean, it it functionally from a practical standpoint ends up being the same thing, which is that yeah. it's 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 just it maps better to what uh, you know this, this uh, massive coordination uh, that happens sort of in a decentralized way that the free market is. And, uh, you know, like the less interference, the better, and uh, the more convenient, the better. And this, this is what Bitcoin enables. So, so noob question alert then. So why, why can't the government turn around and say, or oh, we're going to make our currency um, scarce and we're going to uh-huh. limit the supply. So, so what's, what's the difference between that and, and Bitcoin's guarantee for scarcity? How, how does Bitcoin have a better guarantee for scarcity? Yeah. Uh, so yes. the government can change its mind. Right? Uh, I, I read this essay uh, like just a little bit ago and uh, it, it was uh, by Stefan Kinsella. Uh, he's a uh, mm-hmm. really good libertarian uh, sort of law, uh, sort of uh, thought leader IP or lawyer, something right? like that. Yeah. Uh, so his, his argument, uh, uh, and this is from an article like from 10 years ago, was that you know, decentralized law uh, is superior to legislated law. And uh, his argument was uh, decentralized law is essentially something like English common law, 
which uh, which happens through lots and lots of different judicial decisions about specific cases. Um, and a, as a result, you come up with sort of like this corpus of law uh, that's based on precedent. Okay, here here's what actually happened. And based on those, these are the decisions that can be made. Um, and generally decentralized law tends to be harder to change because you need a lot more uh, you, you need at least the equivalent amount of precedence before you can overturn something. So it, it takes a while. Uh, whereas legislation is uh, almost always temporary, right? Like you, you, you pass some law and then you pass another law to supersede that law. So it, it, it's, uh, it's a lot less permanent. Uh, and in that way, um, you know, when, if a government were to say we're going to make this dollar scarce, it's essentially like a piece of legislation. It's it, it's mm. it's very centralized and it can change at any time. If somebody new gets in power, that's no longer going to be the case. There's no way you can trust that going forward. Uh, whereas something decentralized, that's a lot easier to trust going forward, especially because you need enough sort of like network momentum in order to go the other way. And you'd see it from a mile away if it were going in that direction. Uh, so in a sense, decentralized things are much easier to trust uh, because of their of the nature of how difficult it is to, uh, you know, like overturn all of that precedent. And that uh, that I think would be the way I would describe uh, why, you know, Bitcoin is easier to trust than, say, what the Fed said last week. Yeah, so it's like a, the, the the promise coming from. A central bank or a, or a government is just another fiat promise. Uh, uh -huh. It's just, yeah, we'll 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 do it today, but not tomorrow. And um, and I think I've always said that that's you know when they were coming up with Libra, I wrote a article called Bitcoin blockchains and bullshit, and uh -huh. basically put Libra and the 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 potential future of CBDCs in the third category of bullshit because mm. they, you know the the whole raison d'etre for Bitcoin is this unchangeable constitution, mm -hmm. you know, which is the white paper, which is its core rules, 21 million, 10 minute blocks, uh, you know, halving every four years and, um, and the, what's it called the, um, the difficulty algorithm and, and say another couple mm -hmm. set of rules. And, and the beauty of Bitcoin is that it's vol it's completely voluntary in nature. You know, mm -hmm. if you want to be a part of it, you can, if you want to change it, you also can. Um, except, you know, you'll be on uh, Bitcoin Jimmy's version, and um, and you know, maybe 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 a portion of your Twitter followers will come with you <laughs> and, um, and that run that Bitcoin. But it's but it's it's it, you know it it's going to fail to to pick up the economic mass necessary for mm -hmm. a uh, for for a movement to occur, and and that's mm -hmm. effectively you know Bitcoin. I always I love the dichotomy of. Bitcoin's uh, closedness or its security is found in its openness. Mm. It's the fact that anybody can copy it. So it doesn't actually fucking matter. Um, mm. What matters is the, the, the consensus, the, the voluntary consensus of uh, the participants who are part of that network. And, and that, that voluntary nature, I think, is also what makes it very different to a centrally issued digital mm -hmm. currency is that a centrally issued digital currency is again done by dictate or by decree, whereas Bitcoin isn't. It's like you, you, you picked it up because you wanted to. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, that, that, that's a lot easier to trust because 
you you don't have arbitrary third parties that come in and interfere with things. Um, and I, I've been reading um, some of Rothbard's Ethics of Liberty recently, and that, yeah. that's a point that he brings up over and over again is uh, when you when you have sort of like third party interference, uh, it, it it skews everything, um, including. Um, sort of, uh, you know, property rights and things like that. I mean, he, his, his view is that everything is a property right. And when you're talking about freedom of speech, it really doesn't make sense without like some property on it. Where are you talking about it, right? Like if you own the land that you're standing on, you can say whatever you want, right? Like, um, and that, that makes sense. But if you're at, you know, some restaurant, you don't have the right to say whatever you want. That's uh, that that or dress however you want or whatever because that that's part of it's somebody else's property. Um, and in that way, I, I think it's given me a new perspective on the importance of uh, of thinking about things in terms of property. Because in a sense, yes. like almost everything we own, uh, you know, quote unquote, own uh, in in society today is not really owned that there's there's always third party interference mm. like if you don't mm. pay your taxes on your house they'll take it away it, uh and apparently if you're uh if you own like a piece of property and have too many people there then that's a violation somehow because you don't really own it they 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 can enforce uh whatever restrictions uh they they want on your property um that uh leads to sort of like a discounting of uh, of the real ownership. And I think that changes the price of it uh, because you don't quite have as many rights as, uh, as you would in a real, like if you really owned it and so on. Uh, but similar things are happening all over the place. It's, um, uh, you know, like the, the whole Twitter controversy of being deplatformed, it's, it's all muddled because, you know, what do you have the prop like, do you have, mm. is your username on Twitter, like your property or is it Twitter's? And like the people on one side are saying it's all Twitter's and therefore you have no right to complain. Other people are saying, well, no, it's actually yours because those are your tweets or whatever. And uh, like, it's, it's all muddled. And this is where like decentralization, like clears absolutely everything up because if it's decentralized, then you know who owns it. And in, in a sense, it's a, it's a critical part of, uh, of what gives clarity to a lot of things and uh, it makes it a lot more efficient because there's a lot, a lot more certainty and a lot less sort of subjective judgment, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think two, two points there. One, I'll echo uh, Ethics of Liberty by Rothbard. I would also recommend um, For a New Liberty. That, that's a, it's a shorter book, but he just mm -hmm. really sums up his entire philosophy and, and sort of property rights as the cornerstone of uh, existence and coexistence. Like we, mm -hmm. we cannot have anything without private property rights. Uh, mm -hmm. Like the, the, everything falls apart. And I think Rothbard, I would personally argue Rothbard is like the most powerful philosopher of, I don't know, <laughs> last couple thousand years. I, like, I, I might so quibble with you a little bit there. Uh, Cause I, okay. I, I think he's a really good historian and uh, he, he does elucidate some things, but I think he was a little bit ignorant of a few things, uh, including, you know, his uh, interpretation of the regression theorem, which we're still like sort of having to fight with the Bitcoin cash people about. So, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's, let's save that one for a future one. So um, <laughs> I, I don't know enough about the regression theorem myself to, to be uh, okay. able to actually comment.
so okay. uh, for that, um, the what was the other thing you mentioned there? Yeah, the 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 decentralized nature of existence is that mm. I I always argue that life is uh, or you know nature and everything that we see around us is something that emerges in a decentralized fashion. You know, there's no mm -hmm. there's no like central you know natural uh, you know dude hanging around saying okay you lions mm -hmm. do that and the grass has mm -hmm. to grow this way and the trees. It's uh -huh. like it happens in and of itself at the edge. It doesn't happen from the center. Um, and, mm -hmm. and it, you know, it sort of, it finds its way. And I think we sort of discussed this with the podcast that we did with, with, um, with Jordan uh, a couple months back, but mm -hmm. it's, you know, w when you try and uh, control that from the center, like you said, you know, via some sort mm -hmm. of third party, all that you do is you stifle the natural progression mm -hmm. uh, of existence like because mm -hmm. it, it's impossible to to gather all that data to to process it and then to decide what to do because you know you, mm -hmm. you would actually have to pause time to do mm -hmm. that um mm -hmm. and then to to you know to, to to then try and emanate all of the information back out again radially so it just it just doesn't work and it's just crazy to see the hubris of uh society today and how we um how we try and like uh, discredit the the decentralized nature of existence and, and the fact that human beings who are at the edge of doing stuff mm -hmm. uh, somehow know less than a couple of dictators in the center who believe that they know better for all of us. Um, yeah, I, the thing about centralization that I, I think the conclusion I've come to about centralization is that it really muddles up property rights. Uh, it's it's mm, difficult mm, to know mm, who owns mm. what because you you essentially are sort of trusting the third party with your property in some way, shape, or form. And uh, you know, uh, this is not a complete thought yet, but basically, um, for example, government has like public roads or public parks or whatever. Who owns that, right? Like. It's not clear who, who owns it because technically I'm a citizen and I pay my taxes. I own a piece of that or something, but I have to obey government authorities if they tell me I can't be there at a certain time. It's, it's not clear who owns it or, you know, whose property it is. And of course, like, uh, you know, those are the places that the homeless people go and set up tents because it's not mm -hmm. clear who owns it. If, if somebody actually owned it, then they can evict them off their property. But if it's public land or if, if, if there's some central, central uh, you know, force that sort of like where we entrust some of that, right? Like uh, we've entrusted them with our taxes and uh, some, some land uh, for their operations, uh, but it's not clear who owns it. It's it's not any particular citizen, and and so on. Uh, and similar things happen with money and uh, and lots of other things where you know you, wherever there's centralization, uh, property rights get really muddled. Uh, it's it's uh, like even money in your bank. It's not clear who owns the money. Like they mm -hmm. have custody of it, uh, but uh, you know you you have an account with them. So you know. Um, it's yours as long as you don't violate certain AML KYC laws or, you know, do something illegal or, you know, sell drugs or do child porn or whatever. It's, it's not clear at all. And, uh, and that, that's support WikiLeaks of, or now wear a mask <laughs> apparently. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, that's the thing is, is that centralization, uh, sort of muddles property rights and it makes a lot, it makes things just really uncertain. Uh, whereas like with decentralization, you know exactly 
who owns what. And at that point, you know, things are a lot more certain. You don't have to, you know, satisfy a third party that's not party to the transaction in order to complete the transaction. And that that's just a more efficient way to have, and it's literally a more free market because there's no restrictions uh, based on sort of a, a partial ownership of the property right by a third party that really isn't party to the transaction or shouldn't be. So it, yeah, it, that to me is, uh, is part of why things just get really muddled uh, and weird when, when you get to that. I would I would love to do a podcast down the track on um on just discussing property rights because I think that's mm. such a underappreciated element of it 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 literally forms the cornerstone for Austrian economics for libertarianism for all this stuff and I think one of Bitcoin's most powerful attributes is that it is uh, private property it, it embodies private property rights better than anything else in the world because like mm -hmm. if if property starts with you. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the first step beyond you and you owning yourself as your own property is your thoughts. And mm -hmm. because Bitcoin transforms money into information, which can be stored in your thoughts, mm -hmm. it's the it's the almost the purest form of property other than you that exists. Mm -hmm. and, and that, yeah. like, I think is why Bitcoin fixes mm -hmm. this. Like, it, it, you mm -hmm. know, it changes the dynamics. It, it's the it's the it's the keystone almost of all of the crap we're seeing if we can reintroduce private property rights uh at the level of money which is like you sort of discussed earlier is um you know this fabric that binds us mm -hmm. we have a foundation upon which to do everything else um, and we don't have no idea i think what that looks like in the future because we've been so you know i guess We've almost been like a, a, a sprinter on a racetrack with our fucking shoelaces tied together and a bullet in our left ass cheek, you know, like, mm -hmm. and we're trying to run down doing a hundred mm -hmm. meter sprint. Like it, it's all, like you said, it's completely muddled. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Bitcoin sort of unlocks so much potential just through mm -hmm. that shift in clarity around what, what property who's is, who's. is yeah. whose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, I, I think I, I mentioned before that, you know, Bitcoin maps to the value we've provided to other people really well. It yeah. also maps mm. to this um, sort of metaphysical concept of property. Um, like, yeah. you know, like uh, it, it, the fact that I own this mug is is an abstract concept. It's a metaphysical concept. And uh, and, you know, like mapping it um, like it can be stolen, it can be lost or whatever. But I still own it, even if it's lost, if that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it's still mm -hmm. kind of mine. Um, that doesn't map that well to the physical world. But in the metaphysical, it, it maps really well with Bitcoin uh, because it's metaphysical. It's, it, it, it doesn't have to be outside of myself. Um, it can't, and in that way, it's much more aligned with natural law. Um, and again, it's kind of like the physics of metaphysics. It's a, uh, it, 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 uh, it's the way it should be and it aligns much closer to that because it can't be sort of forcibly taken away from you it's unconfiscatable as they say and that yeah. um and and that's what property rights should be uh from from a natural law perspective no one should be able to take it away from you unfortunately with physical items it doesn't map that well because things can just sort of be taken away or confiscated because of its physical nature 
Um, but that mapping is an important part of what makes Bitcoin that much more powerful uh, for the purposes of trade, for commerce, for storing value and so on. Yeah, I might throw something in there. So I've, I've toyed with this whole property thing for, for mm -hmm. a while. And, you know, those, um, I'd recommend people have a look at a book called um, uh, The Territorial Imperative by an anthropologist mm -hmm. from back in sort of the 60s, 70s. And I mentioned him, uh, Robert Ardrey. Mm -hmm. He's absolutely brilliant. And and he, he makes a case that, you know, territory is uh, biological. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm writing a piece now called uh, Private Property as a Biological Imperative. And I, and I mentioned this last time. It's I, I don't think mm -hmm. that, uh, I think private property is purely a, a natural emergent thing. It's nature's way of uh, stabilizing and finding equilibrium. But mm -hmm. um, the, the the property thing, I've, I've really done a lot of thinking around like, you know, property is almost, um, or private property, like is that which you can defend in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and this is why physical objects are a little bit harder because in the physical realm, mm -hmm. um, that which you can defend you know, requires, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, level of protection. This is why the Second Amendment is so important in America and, mm -hmm. you know, why the founding fathers, you know, they sort of intuitively understood that is, you know, everyone needs the right to protect themselves. And, and mm -hmm. when everyone has the right to protect themselves, you create a, um, almost like a level of deterrence where you create mm -hmm. peace through the fact that, you know, people know if I break into mm -hmm. this guy's house, I'm going to, you know, bust, someone's mm -hmm. going to bust the cap in my ass. So, so, but, you know, physical objects are fundamentally harder to protect and therefore have almost weaker property rights. Whereas Bitcoin has stronger property rights because, um, you know, the cost to defend it is very low. Like it's, it's you know, it's mm -hmm. memory in your own mm -hmm. brain or it's taking a string uh, of characters and hiding it somewhere. And, and that is much easier to do than trying to like protect a, you know, a wheelbarrow or a room full of gold, like good luck mm -hmm. trying to do that. You, you're going to need mm -hmm. more than just your memory to do that. So by changing the, um, the cost of lo lowering the cost of defense and increasing the cost of attack, um, mm -hmm. like for an attacker to take your Bitcoin, they really need to fucking have their shit together. They need to know where to find you, like what, what to do, extract your brain somehow. Like it's just, it changed. And I, that, that change in dynamic, I think, sends us down a very different path than the world we live in today, where not only are property rights, uh, not, not only can property rights be violated by thy neighbor, but mm -hmm. property rights are now being violated by, from the top, from the very mm -hmm. institutions who are supposed to, you know, protect our property rights. Mm -hmm. It's fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. So like Bitcoin, I think changes that really, really fundamentally. Yeah. I, I, and it's, it's the metaphysical nature of Bitcoin. It's, it, it, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's, a, it, it's in that realm. Um, and I, I would say personally, like beliefs are property rights too. And they're mm -hmm. just as hard to take away, right? Like uh, if you want me to believe something that I don't believe is true, um, good luck with that because that mm -hmm. that's internal to me. And it's kind of like taking my Bitcoin. It's internal to me and um, it, or I can, choose to make it that way uh such that mm -hmm. if you want if you want it out of me um then you're 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 going to have to make it voluntary it forces sort of like a mm. voluntary transaction instead of an involuntary one and that that's the ultimate defense is if if there if the only way to get something from you is voluntarily well that's completely in line with natural law it's so much easier 
to enforce yeah. natural law that way because yeah. it, like it, it's it's trying to literally convince me right like it, it's it's like a belief if you want me to change it then you better come like you better come and tell me like why it is or whatever um i might even pretend that i agree with you just to get you off my back right like but <laughs> But I, I, I don't have to necessarily change it if I don't want to. Um, and many martyrs throughout history are, you know, like known for holding it on, even in the face of death. This is, this is what, this goes back to what we were talking about. It's having a purpose beyond your life and having, mm -hmm. uh, having something that you'd be willing to take a bullet for. Um, now, it, it doesn't have to be Bitcoin, but it's in that realm of stuff that you possess so strongly uh, that you could die with it if you wanted to. Um, and that that that's a that's a super property right that we've never really seen before and um, yeah and I like <laughs> I think that's super powerful all right let's wrap this up quickly with um there, there was four things you mentioned in your article which I'd love you to mm -hmm. to, to explain to people was um I guess four elements of uh, morality that Bitcoin you know in a sense reintroduces uh, mm into society, you know, via its existence. And they were prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude. So can you mm -hmm. talk to those points a little bit and, and maybe also why Bitcoin introduces these again? Yeah, um, and the, these are, you know, the classical cardinal virtues, right? Like way, way back from, I think Aristotle it was. Uh, and, you know, the Romans, uh, you know, the, this, this was what they tried to, um, Make sure that they taught their children was prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude. And you know, you uh, you read anything before I don't know, 1800 or so. This this is uh, part of your classical education is learning about these virtues and figuring out how to get more of it. Um, now, prudence is uh, essentially being low tide preference. That's what we would call it in Bitcoin. It's it's planning for the future. Um, another word that ancients used to describe that was wisdom. Right, like it's it's just being wise about things instead of just sort of acting uh, impulsively or doing things um, that aren't in your long term best interest. Uh, and that that's something that Bitcoin clearly does because uh, now you can store for the future. You have a lot more certainty about what's going on in the future when you when you're storing in Bitcoin. So that uh, is enhanced as a result of Bitcoin. Um, Temperance is doing things the right amount. And this is, uh, you know, typically like in current usage, the word temperance is usually talked about with uh, respect to alcohol. Um, it's, uh, you know, generally thought of as just like refraining from alcohol altogether. Uh, but the ancient virtue of temperance is much more like sort of doing things the right amount, right? Uh, put, not putting things too high on your list and not putting things too low on your list. So money is a, is a great example of something that we either worship and do everything that we can to acquire or completely dismiss and treat it as if it's uh, not important at all. Um, temperance would dictate that you treat it the right with the right amount of importance, uh, not making it the goal of your life, but at the same time not like uh, burning it in a fire because you know that's uh, that that you know something that you want to do. Um, it it it's uh, it, it's sort of that medium that's the right amount to do, and Bitcoin helps with this because. It doesn't make you think way too much about it like fiat money does, which uh, you need to do if you want to keep any of it. Uh, is It's a melting ice cube. You have to constantly invest. You have to 
learn about every investment. You have to learn about, you know, what rates you're getting on every sort of uh, thing that you have it in and what your return is and whatever. Um, so it takes your mind off it at least a little bit, um, probably a lot uh, if, if you have any significant amount of money. And it also like gives you a respect for it because it's, it's no longer, okay, it's, uh, it, it's, you know, the dollar is a tool of our oppression that's being used to oppress people all over the world through war and things like that. So um, it's, it, it's a lot easier to put in the right place. I'm not saying it's easy by any means, but it's, it's a lot easier. And uh, that carries over to a lot of other things. People are addicted to shopping or sugar or video games or drugs or alcohol for that reason. It's, uh, there, there's no sense of a proportionality because Keynesian mm. economics sort of makes it so that you are intemperate and everything because they, they'd rather see the money, velocity of money through your spending yeah. than, than any sort of temperance on your part or doing things the right amount. And civilization gets built on things being the right amount. Uh, the yeah, third correct. one is the, the, the Keynesians sort of think that like if if we if we approach things temperately in life, everything is going to stop and we're all going to die. And it's going to be a deflationary end. You know, that's it. Yeah, I I, I guess I, I guess the Romans didn't build Rome uh, by you know being temperate. Uh, I don't know, which makes no sense, right? Like they right. they built it over like many hundreds of years, like in a slow and steady way, instead of this uh, like kind of Keynesian uh, idea that we have to do it now. All right, so um, third virtue is justice. Uh, uh, this is the idea that you you want the right thing, like you want fair exchange and things like that. Um, you know, keeping your promises uh, is, is a part of it. It's, it's just being just, it's, it's doing the right thing. Uh, and, you know, with fiat money, it's a, it's a very unjust currency. <laughs> you, you, you are able to take from other people. Uh, the central bank is able to take from other people and give it to whoever they want. They can pick winners and losers. Uh, so it, it brings about a civilization that is just highly unfair and unjust and like uh, has lots of despair, wealth disparity and, uh, it's not mapped to reality like we were talking about. It's not mapped to value you've provided. It's not mapped to uh, you know how much ability you might have. It's just mapped to whoever happens to be in power and whatever it is that they want to do. Um, and that that is very destabilizing. Uh, and uh, whereas Bitcoin is much more aligned with natural law, it's 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 about the value you've provided somebody else. Um, and it, you know, it, it's more aligned with uh, what money is supposed to be than uh, what it is currently. And finally, it's uh, fortitude. Uh, we we talked about it. Another word for that is just courage. Um, courage. Yeah. And, and the the courage that I'm talking about is the is the willingness to take risk um and uh, you know the right amount of risk uh you know like I, I consider like rioting and things like that not courage at all it's just sort of doing whatever the crowd is doing uh doing uh what i consider courage is being an entrepreneur <laughs> doing something mm -hmm. to uh you know risk your uh finances or whatever to create a good or service that the people in the market may or may not want and seeing if that works uh, that that's real courage that's that's doing something at risk to yourself uh it is not courageous when you're telling people what they want to hear um i i love uh the <laughs> uh i i think the phrase so stunning and brave is like the most like like 
biggest bastardization of courage ever because it's just saying something that everyone wants to hear so it's not courageous at all at least from a classical yeah. sense it requires zero guts to do that if it yeah, you know, the it, only in a really narcissistic mindset is that in any way brave. Uh, so, you know, that those all, all four of those things happen. Uh, well, courage in particular happens because there's uh, there, you know what the rules are, right? Like it, it encourages more risk taking because you know that, you know, this yardstick is the same, uh, that things aren't going to constantly change. The more uncertainty there is, the more risk averse people get. And the fact that we, uh, as a civilization, we've gotten really, really risk averse to the point where people are locked down for like an entire year uh, tells you like how uncertain the future has been uh, for people and how little they trust in their ability to predict the future or to uh, figure out what, what it's going to bring. Uh, with something like Bitcoin, you you have a yardstick. You know, twenty one million is there. If you have one Bitcoin now, it's one Bitcoin later, and uh, and that ability uh, allows people to take more risks. And uh, like almost everything nowadays, like uh, it it brings up the level of stability so that the um, that the risk taking isn't as high a jump. Um, it, it, it's it's kind of like uh, being able to dunk with, you know, on a ladder or something, something like that. It's a, it's a little easier to do uh, because there's this stable level that you, you can use to sort of launch off of. Uh, whereas the current situation uh, with fiat money is everything's unstable. You don't know what's going on and uh, it's only accelerated in the past year or so. So all of that said, um, Bitcoin allows these virtues, which are really, you know, um, in, in a sense, Nat, uh, part of natural law. Th those are the mm, things that mm. uh, that enhance uh, civil uh, enhance, like uh, you know, uh, uh, how we interact. Cooperation and, and existence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it, it's it's part of the physics of the meta, uh, you know, uh, yeah. metaphysics, if you will, and uh, and you know, it will always sort of come towards that. Right now, it's sort of unbalanced because of fiat money, and we're we're seeing some of the. Uh, uh, some of the results of that is that you get unrest and instability in, uh, all over the place. Um, on a Bitcoin standard, you get a civilization that's a lot more closely aligned with uh, with natural law, with moral law, with uh, with doing things the right way, which ultimately end up in a bigger and better civilization, one that's thriving instead of uh, sort of disintegrating, which uh, which we've been doing for quite a while now. Yeah, Jimmy, I think that's um, that's really beautiful. Honestly, it's um, that that perspective and that idea of the reintroduction of, of morality and 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 why Bitcoin fixes this. And this is why I sometimes get annoyed when people kind of, you know, bag out the why Bitcoin fixes this meme. Oh, sorry, not the mm -hmm. sorry, the Bitcoin fixes this meme, but because it, it's. Me and Giacomo spoke about this actually on the last episode. You know, whilst these memes they might sound trite, mm -hmm. they you know, and they, they might sound like you know throwaway lines or something, um, but mm -hmm. they actually have a lot of depth of meaning behind them because mm -hmm. you know when you really start to understand the you know the the the, the important shifts that Bitcoin uh, has, like in in the reintroduction of these you know prudence, temperance, justice, fortitude, the reintroduction of private property rights, the reintroduction of uh, 
scarcity and and fixed supply money you know the, the like all of those things that bitcoin touches um you know it 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 realigns them like you said back to natural law and that has extraordinary uh knock-on effects for society so it's not you know it's not just some stupid meme that you know bitcoiners on twitter made up for the sake of you know sounding trite or sounding arrogant like it's actually got a lot of truth behind it and, and that's why i love having these conversations because we can explore really why bitcoin fixes this and why it's such an important innovation um and and i hope that people listening to this like really got a lot of value out of that because um yeah bitcoin embodies morality and in doing so reintroduces morality um you know a, a north star if we're going to use that mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. that from our last conversation yeah, yeah from the last conversation exactly and um yeah, yeah I, I just think I, that's yeah, yeah and i i think what you're saying is right there um memes to me are a form of rhetoric um and there's uh there's a dialectic and the rhetoric um the the easy way because memes tend to be kind of funny or um easy to say or whatever there there's a tendency to dismiss rhetoric uh memes as just rhetoric but there's a there's mm -hmm. a significant dialectic behind it and uh and that that's something that i really appreciate because uh the the strongest memes have a very strong dialectic behind it uh and even even something as tried as have fun staying poor there's mm -hmm. a real depth to that uh that the, yeah. uh, there's a dialectic to that that if you really understood you'd be like oh okay that that makes sense. Um, I mean, it's it's warning people. We want you to come to our camp, um, and you know, here's Noah's Ark. But if you don't want to get on, you know, I mean, have fun staying poor, right? Like, yeah. like what can we do? We we've done all we can to warn you of what's coming. Um, you know that that's a that uh, sort of thing is uh, not obvious to people because they uh, they want to dismiss the rhetoric without looking at the dialectic that's behind it. Um, and for me, um, you know, like conversations like this are much more about the dialectic, uh, but the rhetoric draws people in. It, it, it shows them, okay, it's, it's sort of short circuiting uh, their assumptions a little bit because it is very effective and powerful. And I go, okay, why, why is that the case? What, what, what's, uh, what, what's under this rhetoric that, that's sort of short circuiting my brain a little bit and uh, triggering me or whatever? You know, is there is there something behind it or whatever? And it's kind of like that, you know, um, what what's it? It's like a like a needle in your mind or something. That's the line from mm -hmm. the Matrix, right? Like it, it it's mm -hmm. it that that's that's the purpose of a meme. It's it's to yeah yeah it, it's to get them. It, it's it's that annoying thing in their mind that they they you know yeah you, you have to extract it or yeah you, you have to look into it or something. It's to get them to actually get into that level where they can actually explore this for real. Yeah. And um, I hope, I hope that people listening to this, uh, that this inspires them to keep digging. I mean, you know, mm. do, doing these podcasts, even though they're, they're as broad as possible and, and generally quite long considering, you know, what most podcasts are these days, but it's like, you know, th this is, this is a journey. Uh, and I think to, to wrap this up, I mean, Jimmy has done some incredible work. Uh, the new book, thank God for Bitcoin, right? Am I phrasing yeah, that right? Thank God for Bitcoin. <laughs> there you there go. It is. 
so so that's one resource um the little bitcoin book uh what was the was a programming bitcoin that you did yeah yeah that that's yeah. a programmer's book it doesn't yeah, have cool. quite the dialectic or rhetoric um, <laughs> even in there maybe maybe a different form of dialectic right oh sure um, sure yeah, yeah. So, so, so there's that, there's uh, the, you know, Jimmy's done a series of brilliant, brilliant articles on, um, on medium. So Jimmy, what's the, what's your medium uh, handle again? Is it just Jimmy song? It is just Jimmy song. And uh, I, I haven't uh, written to it lately, although um, I do want to write about like this idea that centralization, like models property rights and that mm. uh, it creates sort of uncertainty and it's bad for that reason. Um, and this is why you should Bitcoin because it's decentralized and why, and I mean, all coins suffer from sort of that muddled um, property yeah. right thing too, because yeah, I mean, they hard fork and it's like, oh, okay, I guess I don't really own it. Or, you know, like they, it, 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 it gets, it's, you don't really own it. All coins is essentially what I want to say in that article. Yeah. <laughs> Shit coinery for me is like the, the peak arrogance and ignorance of like what's happening in society today it's like let's take the bitcoin narrative but then let's do exactly what the central planners and governments are doing today but we'll just do it ourselves it's <laughs> like it is i literally i call it digital fiat that's all it is it's yeah like there's, yeah. there's there's it's just a it's just a more fragile uh mm -hmm. uh corrupt digital fiat mm -hmm. run by nerds who um mm -hmm. who have you know, well, no, they're technocrats, no other... right? <laughs> yeah, technocrats. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I would almost argue that the traditional fiat system is probably got better checks and balances than you know crypto, because mm. at least there's some um, there's some wetware in between, right? To to sort mm. of you know slow things down and to to to, to bring some temperance. Whereas uh, in in crypto in in Ethereum, it's like let's um yeah let's let's create a technocratic utopia based on what Vitalik believes is ethical. Um, mm. Great idea. Yeah, let's, uh, that's exactly <laughs> what we should be doing. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I want to I write an article like that. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if, uh, see if it comes out at some point. But yeah, I, I, I haven't written to it as much in the past year. I do want to change that at least a little bit this year. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, at, at Jimmy Song is my medium. Sweet, sweet. So at Jimmy Song there, at Jimmy Song on Twitter. Um, is there anything else you want to like some final thoughts, man, before we wrap this up? Um, I, uh, the, I, I, I want to show my book basically. It's, yeah, the, this is sure. the moral argument, uh, for Bitcoin from a Christian perspective. We, I, we do touch a lot on natural rights, for example. And, uh, and a lot of the book is, uh, is actually arguing from that perspective. So if you believe, for example, that theft is wrong, that if you actually believe in property rights, in other words, um, I think most of the arguments in the book are are going to hold for you because it's 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 straight up. Okay, theft is wrong. These are theft, and therefore, uh, you know, fiat is wrong, and Bitcoin is superior because it's harder to steal, um, and it's uh, it, it doesn't have like a trusted third party that can do things to your property that you otherwise uh, should be able to. So it maps to natural law better. It maps to property rights better. It's, uh, it, it's superior in, uh, in many ways, what we call the redemption of money, uh, uh, taking it from what it, uh, what it should be. Uh, well, Fiat has taken it from what it should be to sort of like a Nietzschean 
sort of power play thingy. Uh, you know, Bitcoin takes it from this Nietzschean power play thingy to what money should be again. So that's the redemption of money. So that um, hopefully you can uh, go read the book, even if you're not a Christian. Um, I think you would get a lot out of it. A lot of our conversation here today was, uh, you know, uh, inspired at least by, by it, if not uh, straight up in the book itself. So there we go. I, I can I can vouch for it. I um I did have a read of it and um mm-hmm. and I'm I'm only halfway through because I've been dealing mm-hmm. with banks yeah. back in Australia. Uh-huh. But it's um it I I as someone who I guess as we established in the last conversation, I think you know we align so well. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. although I might not label myself as a Christian, I think this book is like one of the one one of the better Bitcoin books uh, I've mm-hmm. read. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's, it's interesting, all of the Bitcoin content, like in all of the books that I've read are really, really good. And this one, mm-hmm. this one's right up there. So, you know, that's my, uh, my personal endorsement for it. I think everyone should. Thank you. It. Thank you. Hopefully that that's something that you can take and maybe go read the book. Uh, and yeah, I will, we'll have the audio book out pretty soon, hopefully. So, um, you know, that's your mode of learning that might be available, uh, for a lot of podcast listeners that tends to be the case so yeah stay tuned it's coming brilliant all right jimmy dude thank you again for the catch-up really appreciate it um, we always have great conversations and um and yeah hopefully in a couple months we'll do round two of the uh the bitcoin preachers but um let's, uh, <laughs> let's see let's let's hope they haven't fucking bombed texas by then fucking, yeah, yeah. Just, let's uh let's hope knows? a nuclear bomb doesn't drop on texas uh because i'm here so yeah but happy ha- happy to always uh be on your podcast and uh you know hang out and just talk about stuff uh you always bring some interesting questions so really appreciate it and yeah let's do it again Brilliant. All right, Jimmy. Thanks, buddy.